Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. And today from Vashon Island, I have Eva Papp with me. She is the owner of the School of De Nova, and we're going to be discussing that today. I'm very excited. Eva's 20 years as a psychotherapist helping clients achieve their goals has taught her what's needed, what works, and how to tailor it so it works for you. Eva, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you, Liz. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation about empowering women. Great. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So why don't you start by sharing a little bit about yourself and what you experienced and your journey up until now? Well, I have been a psychotherapist for the past 20 years. And a lot of what I learned in terms of working with individuals, um, I carry forward into the school that I'll be launching in January. Um, So it's really about working with a diverse group of individuals, men, women, children, families, couple, you know, the whole gamut, as well as a lifetime interest in human nature um, and what really contributes to individuals succeeding in life and living happy lives um, and really parlaying traditional wisdoms into the work that I do. Great. Can you describe a little bit about that? You know, how do you bring other cultures into what you do and um, your exploration of human nature, your curiosity around that? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, they're kind of concentric rings to that. So first, it's having this mindset, even as one approaches the field of psychotherapy, of, you know, hey, this tradition has come up within a very Euro Western minded orientation. So to blow that apart and really look at what other cultures have said, not just now, but historically about mental health and healing. And uh, while I was doing my graduate work, I took some time and I did an independent study in field research in Siberia. And I was looking at two things, uh, psychology contextualized, meaning you know, how do we address some of the concerns about mental health from a perspective that is rooted in other realities, not just how we configure mental health and mental functioning in Western society. So it's looking at that and also it's looking at shamanism. Uh, a lot of the early cultures were shamanic And uh, is there still relevance for shamanic thinking in the application of healing and in particularly mental health healing today and here in the the United States? So those are the two things I was thinking about. So that is the sort of the biggest, broadest, deepest kind of holding that's other cultured, uh, a lens of other culturedness. And then, of course, when I was doing my graduate work, I, you know, I did all these different uh, special one-offs on working with different cultures that one would run into in America. So, and then I did uh, my internship at uh, Asian Counseling Referral, which is, is 
big uh, organization in downtown Seattle that focuses on working with the um, uh, different Asian cultures. So everything that I've done is really tried to look at psychology through the lens of other cultures. Hmm. And how have you taken that, those wisdom teaches in the shamanic, you know, realms and kind of brought them into your practice? I'm curious. Well, there are many ways to approach that question. And I think on the simplest level, when you look at, you know, when I would talk to, because I would do a lot of interviews while I was in Siberia and working with a lot of shamans. One of the things I would always ask them is how do you conceptualize mental health and mental healing. And they always talked about not just an individual's relationship to themselves, but an individual's relationship to their relationships in their life. To not just the relationships in their life that were happening now, but their ancestors. Not only relationship to the ancestors, but a relationship to the land, the spirit of the land, right? So the context and the elements that were involved in mental health or mental uh, illness were really broad. And so, you know, when I started my practice, my scope and my intake and the way I approached individuals was always from the largest container that I could. So the questions were always about lifestyle, you know, what are you eating? How are your relationships? Um, paying attention. And of course, there's always that spiritual element that I broached directly, but I also tended to indirectly in the space so that there was as big, a, 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 as large and as broad of a holding of a client as I could muster, as well as energetic elements to my work with clients. So I think it was incredibly useful I mean, I'm not the kind of psychotherapist, and there are some people who are of this ilk that, you know, people come in, you know, they do cleansing, they do rattles, they do all kinds of things. And my calling, or I always felt my calling was always to serve every person, not a person that was in a particular paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, while I tended to all these elements, I never brought them forward and had them be the main feature through which people entered work with me. Right. I can see though how asking the questions and thinking of the ancestors and that sort of thing, if I take in a look at from a therapeutic perspective, it kind of goes into family structures and histories and ancestors and what were the patterns that we're bringing forward, you know, generationally. Absolutely. You know, in our life and how can we work on those? That's fantastic. Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting because there are aspects of psychology that mirror all of that, right? Mm -hmm. That we understand that well-being is not just located in the individual. It's, there's, there's context, people context, cultural context, you know. And so uh, this was about deepening all of that and understanding it through different lenses, um, yeah, so I think it, it made a huge contribution to my work and, you know, hopefully to uh, the helping others. That's beautiful. That's great. I love how that has, you know, kind of come together for you in such a nice way. So let's talk about female power and de novo. So what is de novo? How did it come about? And even how did you come up with that name? Okay, so 
I'll just start with, well, what's de novo? And it goes back to, really, Liz, this idea that I had about working, sharing what I know to help women come into their personal power, their personal authority, their authenticity, have a crystal clear self-directed voice. And, you know, some of these concepts are really not well fleshed out in our culture because, I mean, we could talk about them, but the understanding behind them tends to be very superficial uh, because we have not been encouraged as women typically to stand in those power places. So the conversation has gotten thin and it's gotten sidelined, I would say. So in thinking about how to even express this school that I was developing, what it was I was hoping to achieve with women, I thought, you know, I can't say these words. They're, they're going to fall flat. They're not going to have meaning. And oftentimes when a word can't capture what it is you're trying to convey, symbol is fantastic. And I thought to myself, really what's needed here is an image. We need iconography, right? And historically, you know, and also in the psychological literature, there are these things called archetypes, right? They're representations of aspects of human experience. And there are archetypes for women's experience, you know, the maiden, the whore, the mother, the virgin, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about it. Well, that's what we need. We need an archetype to express what I'm talking about when I am talking about a woman who lives life on her own terms, fueled by her own power and authority. And as I was casting about, I started reading all this literature on archetypes. And really the closest thing is the great goddess. But the problem is, is the great goddess is not so active in the cultural imagination as it exists, as it exists today. I mean, people know about the great goddess, but who's the great goddess, right? Mm -hmm. And then, or maybe you'll see some really old depictions or it doesn't have a modern expression. So I thought, okay, we need a modern archetype to address this issue of women's power. And so I started to think about what that would look like expressed. And I tapped a um, incredibly talented illustrator who happens to be, you know, a friend of mine from back in the day when our kids went to school together. And she's really brilliant. And we, we worked on this for like, I think it's eight months before we finished the De Nova Women. And we started with energy. And I started sending her pictures of what the energy was that these women embodied. And um, so we just started with energy when we were synced in on the energy. And then what does it look like? And what does she look like? And, and we start, and then what does she wear? Well, it was very clear to me. She wore like a fortnight, you know, skin, right? Because that's what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. But design, so there's magical symbols on there, right? There's the, um, that speak to women's power, right? Symbol of life. Anyway, so we designed these suits and then we designed the features and I mean, everything we just worked on, worked on, worked on. So De Nova is actually now a group of three women and it's really any woman who stands in her power and authority, the iconography of these three women. And um, they represent 
and I wish I had an image I could show you right now. Like, boop, this is what they look like. <laughs> Actually, you go, if you go to my website, I have a picture of them there. Um, but anyway, um, evapap.com, if you want to find it. They express what it is to stand in your power. And the name De Nova, that was a, took a minute to get to that. Um, and it really came from this idea of putting something out that was open enough that people could project what they needed onto the name, but also had enough of a uh, suggestiveness that it would lead people in the right direction. So it could be for some new day, you know, Nova's this brilliant shine. And I've written a lot in my blog about, you know, women shine and your brilliance, your divine connection and where that touches in your particular human nature and, and generates these talents and gifts. And it's about, you know, the goddess in every women's, every woman's brilliance. So that's what it means to me. And, and the school is about a, helping women touch base with that and then live that out into the world. So that was a long explanation, but that's sort of what the De Nova and the school of De Nova is all about. Wonderful. I'm really excited that you're getting this going. I think this is a very important area that really needs to be worked with with women. You know, I know myself personally, you know, it's been a journey for me to have a voice and to step into my personal power these last five years. Yeah. 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 And I was going to say, Liz, you know, we use the words, but in, like, in fact, I was just driving down Vashon, I don't know, a month or so ago. And they're like a flashpoint, you know, live your authentic self, but nobody knows what that means. Yes. How do you do it? Or how do you That's do That's the big it? question, yeah. Right. And so the thing is, I thought, oh, it is time. It is time for us to step back and relearn what has been forgotten because power is, is a natural expression for every human being, right? Every woman has a powerful expression. But if you have lost the ability to touch into it, to yeah. understand it and express it, then people could say live in your power all you want. You have no clue what that means, right? That so true. That's unbelievable. You know, I sent you a, a, an article a while ago that this, uh, can I, can I say yeah. right into this for Go a second? Ahead. That uh -huh. this, um, this writer um, and actor, Britt Marling wrote, and it, it, it was an opinion piece that showed up in the New York Times. And in which she was, she doesn't want to be a strong female lead. I think that was the title of the article. Uh -huh. And, you know, she talked about these constricted roles that Hollywood offers women and how, you know, it's really about replicating sort of quote unquote masculine models of power. Um, and that there's a real question for her about what does it even mean to be a strong woman and how do we access it? you know, feminine power, what does it uh -huh. look like? And I was so moved by that article and it was so deeply touched because clearly this is a very powerful woman who is living her power but can't enjoy the fruits of her power, the joy, the ease, the confidence, the, the surge, the authority of her power because she can't touch it. And I was like, okay, that's it. If I didn't have marching orders to get this school out there, there could be nothing as motivating to me as reading something like this from these incredibly amazing, powerful women who cannot, again, enjoy the fruits 
of who they are because they're so disconnected. And that, it makes me kind of sad, right? Right. So, yeah. So what I would you say to a woman? Right now. Yeah, hugely needed. What would you say to a woman like her who's not able, you know, to step in or to feel it, to experience it? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a, a very short answer and there's a long answer. The short answer is, um, what, what are you doing when you're powerful? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's woman's power because you're a woman. It, it's, it's literally as simple as that. The longer version of that, of course, is, you know, take my course and let me teach you all the steps because it really is, there's a lot of steps to it. You know, it's like the elements have been lost. You can't just, you know, B comes from A, C comes from B and A. It's like, and it's not mystical. It's sequential. You know, it's like you, you can't run before you walk. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to make it a big old mystery or whatever. It, it really is. It's just you have to learn the skills and the tools and you know how to have to apply them in the right way. And then right. once you do, it's like it's obvious. I mean, just as obvious as like, well, you're a woman. When you're in power, there's woman's power. Uh, huh? That simple. <laughs> you can't really experience it until you get it. Right. So there's some learning that's involved, some little gaps. Mm -hmm. From what you're saying, it really feels like we need to embody it to first recognize when we're experiencing it. Remember what that feels like and then try to feel it again. It's almost like well, teaching ourselves, quick. our psyche yeah. and our bodies how to feel it, embody and express it possibly. Yeah, I was going to say, Liz, you're very quick because that is one of the exercises we do. I teach this whole thing called body anchoring, and it's about locating the experience physically, sensually, and then emotionally and all the other pieces. Nice. And then once you actually work with it enough so it's anchored in the body, then it becomes an incredible resource um, in moments when you need to call upon it. I mean, I do that all the time in my work. Uh, you know, I've been working on this course. It really is like a book, you know, it's 120 pages already. And, um, there are times in the beginning of the writing where it was really quite overwhelming. It's like, how do I take all of this and put it into this and put it in a way where it's accessible, right? To people who don't necessarily have all of the background to absorb some of this material. Mm -hmm. So I felt really overwhelmed by it at many points and I would do this exercise myself and I would just step into this incredible power and ease. And then I'd pick up my writing and it would just flow because I was referencing this power that I know. And when I'm in touch with that, the things that proceed from that space have the energy of that. And so, um, yeah, so it's one of the things I teach, and we, we do body anchoring around a few key uh, elements that are important for women to know and to rediscover in their bodies. And, of course, then it's a wonderful way, because women have been so alienated from their bodies, right? It's, it's yeah. a way to start that conversation again or enhance it, you know, depending on where someone is, right? Yeah. Nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. How has, yeah, Excuse me? And it takes us into history, 
because this is really historical. So how has history and society, you know, kind of played a role in disempowering women? Let's tap into that a little bit because I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not a sociologist or a historian, but I am reading this really interesting book called Rapunzel and about, um, it's a sociological look at women and their hair. And, you know, I read a chapter and I like want to weep. You know, it's almost at the level of the shedding of what's not seeing the shedding of blindness, yeah. right? That, that's going on right now on a big cultural level relative to Black Lives Matter and racism in this country and um, a confrontation with the truth, right? And it's just centuries, centuries of separation, separation from the body mm -hmm. and then a articulation of what it's supposed to look like, right? So not only are we removed from the thing that would inform us, but then we are given these substitute expressions that actually are undermining, right? And so yeah. it's over all these centuries of this kind of inculcation, we've become so alienated that it's, I, how do we even breathe? How do we even, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's profound. It's profound, it's sad. There's a tremendous reckoning that is possible. But beyond that, there's lovely work to be done to just step outside of that and to like say, okay, that was then. And now how do we chart a path forward, right? Nice. Um, yeah, because you could just weep and weep and, and there's weeping that's needed. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, action then is required because there's too much to do. There's too many voices that are needed women's, women of color, men, everybody, you know, and we've got to move into action, but we can't move into action until we understand. And that's what the school is about. It's like, let's get it on so that we can go do what we need to do to make the transformation that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. How do you guide women to their personal power? And what do you offer a woman that has not stepped into her voice yet? Well, you know, I, as I was, I've been developing this course, I did this six week in-person training for one little segment of it here on Vashon at the Vashon Center for the Arts. And they were tremendously generous and very supportive of the community. They gave me the space for free. And we awesome. did it as a fundraiser for the Dove Project, which is a domestic violence program here on Vashon Island. Right on. Yeah, it was great. And one of the things, and I did it because, you know, when you're writing and you're putting material together, you can get really in your head. And you really want it to have traction in real time. So I'm like, okay, let me take some of this new material I'm putting together and let me bring it out into the community and see, you know, what happens. So I did six weeks, six in-person trainings, and I covered one section of some of the material. And it became very clear to me early on that people come in with very different 
amounts of information. So I, like, the way I think about it is like, you know, when you go to third grade, across the board, everybody typically has been exposed generally to the material of second grade. So there's some familiarity with second grade. You go to third grade, the teacher knows kind of where everybody's at within some variance, right? Mm -hmm. But there's no course on women stepping into their power, right? There are elements of it, and there are elements everywhere. Like, you know, you can like get on Instagram where I'm spending a lot of time these days to try to understand that platform. Um, and you learn about this or you can learn about this. And, and it's this piecemeal and it's great. But because it's not cohesive, right? People then show up like to my class and they have little bits of data points here and there. Maybe they got some really great stuff from the family, but other chunks were missing. Some people didn't get anything. Some people really got pushed down. So people show up to a training like this all over the board in terms of what they know and where they're at, right? So it's not even just what you know, it's like, where are you in your life, right? What's possible for you at this time? So it became clear to me that there really were two cohorts in my class. Um, those who are just learning the majority of the skills and needed time to understand and integrate them, playing around the concept. And then there was this other cohort of women who, you know, were really out there doing their thing and had a lot of the things buttoned down, but were missing chunks of it. You know, maybe they were missing this piece here, missing that piece there. But everything in the course is so foundational that if you're missing a piece, even if it's one piece, it could be substantially in your way for moving forward because it's an essential piece, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, it's almost like you can't see the color blue, right? So you go out in the world and everything gets distorted because there's that piece that's missing, right? And you put back the blue and then all of a sudden you can really see white. You can really see all the other colors, right? In a different way. So then there was this cohort of women who needed really to figure out, like, what am I missing? And then integrate that piece and then be brought higher. Because this course is fundamental. You've got to have these basic skills. You've got to have this understanding of how to take action and make it meaningful in your own life. You've got to know how to do that, right? But once you do, then there's all this room to play right? Because we could go really high with these conversations. So this is, it's, it's basic and it's hugely expandable. So the second cohort is about, okay, let me find my missing pieces. Let me start to move them in a better direction and then let me get higher, right? So the challenge for this other cohort is different. It's not about integrating the contents. It's about applying them, expressing them out in the world, what happens, right? It's about now living it. So it's, so that's, so first of all, it's identifying where someone is and then applying the same skills of support and responsive engagement. And then the next step, like if you're a fast mover, you need fast motion to keep going at your peak performance. If you're slow integrator, you need things in bite sized smaller chunks to go at your optimum pace. So right. it's about good teaching at that point. It's about me meeting people where they are. So, and I think that the course design allows for a lot of that because it's, it's self-directed. You, you choose where you want to be. Yeah. Right. So that woman that comes to you with no voice, where it's, you know, how do you start with her? She, her starting point is no voice. So how, mm -hmm. what are your steps to try to empower her and learn who she is? 
Well, you know, and this goes back to all those years of therapy. People will come in with the exact same diagnosis. They're depressed. But why are they depressed? For some people, it's because they suffered a death in the family. For other people, it's because of historical abuse. For somebody, it's how they lost all their money in something or other. So you have to locate, why, okay, why does this woman have no voice? What's mm -hmm. going on there? And of course, as we work through the course, all the piece of it start to come forward, right? So why is it? Then you know what it is. Then you know how to work, right? So there's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. The skills that you need to have is a one-size-fits-all. But where women are relative that, to that skill set has a lot to do with who they are as people. And that, you know, is individual. So I would first know who that person is, understand where she's coming from, and then we would talk. I mean, the exercise I would say, but what would come out, and then our engagement around that would be specific to who she is. And then I would move her forward based on what it is that she was presenting with. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. can you walk us through your program? So we have an idea of what it is and well, what we would experience. Well, just generally, um, it's 12 weeks. So it's a three month online program. And I like to call it not just sort of an educational arc, a cohesive arc that builds on itself, but also uh, an incubator. So wherever someone steps in, and whatever is identified that they need to grow on, that they actually have the time to get to the next level in whatever it is that they're working on. So that you don't just end the course with knowledge. You end the course with knowledge and hopefully development. So that's the goal. It's not just, you know, take this information. It's mm -hmm. like how you take this information, move it out to the world. How do we shepherd each other? So then by the time three months is over, you're feeling strong and you know what it is that you maybe need to keep working on. And maybe there's a support system in place already for that. Um, so that's sort of the overall arc this three months, but it's basically split into two. The first six weeks is intensive basics. It's like boot camp, And, um, and we go through how to, the six weeks is about how to build right action and right action really means how is it that I take any action in my life, regardless of what the circumstances are, so that action not only is successful, but at the same time is affirming my power and authority and authenticity, and at the same time is expanding what I call the follow-on attributes, the attributes of ease, purpose, vitality, joy, confidence, right? So it's not just about living your life, but how do you live your life in such a way that you're successful, you're happier, and your life becomes more and more of a joy ride, right? That's right yes. action, right? So we spend first half of the course, and I always do this, like I'm, I have this intentionally at the beginning because it's a lot of grunt work, it's a lot of like learning, and then when you start to tire out a little bit by the second half, then it's easier because now you've got the language, now you have the systems in place, and then we build on them. So then the second half of the course is really about how do you take this information and then how do you live it out into the world with safety? Because not everybody out there is going to champion your dreams. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that space? And then how do you uh, expand your dreams so that you can realize your goals beyond what you even imagine. That's the second half. And again, 
we can be nimble, even though it's a lot of material, we can be more nimble because you have the basics down. So that's the, that's the three months. And every time I go through it as I'm writing, because I write on it every morning, uh, I just laugh because it's so much fun. Like people are going to suffer in a great way suffer their way through you know i always just say to my clients when they would come in you're going to suffer either you're going to suffer the way you're suffering now or you're going to suffer and it's going to lead you to this place of freedom liberation uh -huh. choose your suffering right <laughs> so but it always gave me so much joy because you know if you put in the work you really can attain something different and um I, there's just so there's so much freedom in that uh -huh. hope in that um, and again, it's inspiring because women have dreams. And if you can only imagine women with authority, power to live out those dreams, it's inspiring. Yeah. It's yeah. for me, it's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. So walk us through the process of self-inquiry to figure out who we are, you know, in the world as a means to get to our personal development and empower ourselves. Well, that's an interesting question, Liz. And I, I actually think that question is a lot smaller or it's played out a lot more intimately than sitting down. It's almost like, how do we figure that, you know, how do we sit down and figure it all out? And I actually think one doesn't really do it that way. We talk about it that way. Mm -hmm. And looking back, it looks that way. But living forward, it's not, I don't think, played out that way. And it first comes from learning how to move through the world in a way that you can hear yourself. And it's about cleaning up those channels. That's, again, the work of the first six weeks. Once you can hear yourself, it is not so foreign to understand what it is you need and want, what turns you on in any moment, right? So it's about healing, doing that healing work, getting you in tune, one in tune with who they are. And then asking the questions, learning how to take actions that give you feedback that you can then evaluate based on, and now you know how to listen to yourself. You, okay, now I know how that works. I hear this may be not the best choice for me. Maybe this is the right. So you, it emerges. And in fact, the last two chapters of the course are called fluid dreaming and learning how to be in a relationship to your dreams, those deeply held desires that is responsive, is changeable and is expandable so that you're always in a position in each moment to go for the highest version of the expression of what it is you want. All comes back to, can you hear yourself? And that's the here, that's the work of the first six chapters is how to, how to build right action. That's what you're taught. So once you have all those things in place, it's not that hard, but it is in the moment. You know, they always say, be in the moment. There's power in the moment. Well, why is there power in the moment? Does anybody answering any of this, right? The answer is in the moment is where you hear what's true for yourself in the moment. And it is upon that moment that you can then take right action. You get too far ahead of yourself. You're living in the past. You're not getting the crispest, best information, right? 
Right. It's all about, so being in the moment is about, well, how do you live your best life? The information is right there. That's the moment of power. Not because it feels good to not like, well, it does feel good to worry about the future or the past, but because it's powerful, there's information. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the power of being in the moment is being able to access what's there for you if you not access it, right? Right. So it's about learning how to live and pursue one's dreams from that nodal point where you're in the present and you're in the present with yourself, right? And if you live that way long enough, the confidence comes. And because you start to make choices that are self-affirming, the joy comes. And then because you do that, the realization of who you are and the expression of your brilliance comes and it builds on itself. So again, it's not, I would, we talk about it that way. Like, how do we do this thing? You live into it and it becomes your reality if you're living it right. And that's Mm -hmm. what this course is designed to teach women. And you know, it could be, I could do the same course for men, anybody. I mean, I would have to change what the issues are and how one would approach them because you know, the male psyche and men have had different oppressions than women. So their challenges are different. But it's really, it's a curriculum for everybody. I just have chosen to work with women because I feel that this is desperately needed to correct imbalances that exist culture-wide, globally, because women's voices have not been part of the conversation. Yeah. And so the whole thing is going, you know, on itself. So true. And I think, too, because we haven't had a voice for so long, we've kind of, we either don't know how to trust, you know, the information that we're getting yeah. or, you know, we don't know how to listen to it. So let's talk about the process of learning how to trust ourselves and then affirming, you know, what, what is us, you know, affirming. I'm going to lack for words right now. I lost my question. Sorry. Yeah, well, I think I understand what you're getting at. And it's, it's almost impossible to answer that because the critical piece that's missing, Liz, is the felt experience of one's truth. Yes. When one deeply feels and recognizes one's truth, then you know the truth. Until you... Yeah one has that experience, then it's always like, well, was that right? Or did, did I really hear that right? Or could I be wrong? You know, so, but you can't have that experience until you develop that experience. And you develop that experience by living into that experience because you set yourself up to have that experience. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's almost like the missing piece is the experience. And, you know, going back to, uh, brain science. I was a very um, uh, brain science psychotherapist. Um, It's experience that literally changes the brain. It's not information. So, you know, we're so information hungry and we're fed all this information, but it's information is not going to transform. It's the experience. So it's the lived information. And that's why the course is three months in an incubator, even though it's going to exhaust everybody, it's going to be also great because because you have to live it and there's so there's time to live it so you can feel it and then once you get it then you don't have to discuss it with anybody because you know it you know as as long as you're looking outside for affirmation it means already that you don't still know it which is fine 
but that's just information about where then the attention needs to go and the work needs to go. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tricky question to, to answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming after, um, you know, that would help us to access our personal authority. Yeah. So how about we talk a little bit about that? You know, how do we access that personal authority and get it functioning in our lives? Well, you know, again, and unfortunately, it's the same, it's the same script. Uh, Once you know what your personal authority feels like, then in the moment, being present in the moment, you see how it shows up and what it tells you to do. So uh, again, that's, there's no how to, one cannot get in front of the experience. Uh, One has to have the experience and has to know how to keep moving towards the experience because, you know, the experience refines itself. You know, one might start and like, oh, that was a mess, but then you get data and it gives you a better direction to go. And then you get more and then you begin, something begins to emerge. Like I had this uh, Qigong teacher. I I practiced this uh, shamanic Qigong for many years. And we would be standing in the fields early in the morning, you know, holding these poses and concentrating on our third eye and, He'd be like, you know, look for the the red ball of energy in your third eye. And I'm like standing there, right, forever. And I, you know, I'm looking internally and all I'm seeing is this field of black and the, the focus and the focus. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know. And I remember the day where I'm standing there, all of a sudden I saw this ghosting of red. And And then, of course, with more practice, that became much clearer, and I began to understand. But before I had the experience, I had no idea. I had to trust him, right? You trust your teachers. You mean pick trusted, trustworthy teachers, then you got to trust them. I'm sitting there in a field of black. It's like that. So the thing is, the more we become aware of what's there, we, we were given the breadcrumbs to follow, it will lead us to the authentic experience. And once you have an authentic experience, in this case of one's personal authority, then you know what it is. And then it becomes a guide that you can then follow. So the beautiful thing about learning anything is that it builds on itself. And the further you go, and I even talk about this in fluid dreaming, you have to be fluid because as you continue to grow and develop, the dreams that you have today will be moot. And there'll be even more glorious dreams ahead of you. So you have to be in that flow because a growth mindset, as they call it, but I, I would say a growth um, way of living in the world necessitates that we're open to change because we are changing and then we can follow those breadcrumbs into something that's even better. So once you have the experience, that then becomes a ledge to stand on that will then propel you even further. So, you know, without these experiential pieces, these questions are great, but I think without the experiential piece, it's hard to really wrap up the conversation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You mentioned um, fluid dreaming. Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, fluid means not static. So a lot of us say, okay, I'm going to open a new business. That's my dream. And it's going to look like this. And, and it's important, like, you know, put down, like, what is it that you want, right? And to become granular even in, in what you visualize and see, it helps you 
pull out what it is that you want and get really clear about it. But the thing is, as soon as you do that, then it can become an anchor and take you off course because maybe something better is going to emerge. Something that has the elements and your understanding at that time made you think, oh, this is what it looks like. But in truth, it looks like that. And that's a higher expression of the same elements that matter to you. And so it's learning how to have set a goal, but then be fluid in that. And what allows one to be fluid in that. So it's about responsiveness. Because as one sets out, you know, there's this Pilgrim's Progress um, that's in the Christian tradition, this book of this pilgrim that goes off on life. Um, and the Via De Nova is a little bit like that. The Via De Nova is what I call the course, and it's the way of the De Nova. And the way of the De Nova is all about staying open to uncertainty and possibility and to what is not yet known. And it takes tremendous courage to be on that path. But that is the truest path to reaching the highest expression of one's dreams, which means always being willing to surrender what one thinks one knows to first see, being open enough to see the new and then the courage to go for it because it's outside of what you even imagined for ourselves, right? That's fluid right. dreaming in a nutshell. Yeah. Oh, I like it. It's really, for me, as an intuitive healer, you know, in my language would say, tapping into your intuition, having the ability to follow your intuition, you know, hear it, follow it, and then um, allow it. So let's talk about that as a way to get to um, healing our self-esteem and then being confident you know, in enough confidence within ourselves to be able to persevere and kind of reach out and fulfill our goals? Well, you know, I think all of those things, I call them the follow-on attributes, confidence, mm -hmm. ease, whatever, they're byproducts. They're not end goals. They're byproducts of a life lived, in, in my book, according to right action. And so... The emphasis then comes off of living with confidence, but living well and living rightly according to who I am in the moment and what's asked of me in the moment. And so with every woman, it's, it's a fingerprint, right? How you show up in the moment is uniquely you, a unique response to all the forces, the vectors that are acting on you in that moment. And you're, choices and willingness to step into the ones that matter, right? And so that is the birthplace of each individual's whatever follow-on attribute they're interested in. It is there. So if one lives that way, one will grow in confidence and joy and purpose, vitality. You know, it's just they're byproducts of living stepping into right action so anybody who would say hey i want to live with more confidence i would say well live into those moments in a way that's going to keep giving you more of the follow-on attributes and not just confidence all of them because you don't have to live according to confidence you don't have to live according to joy 
You could just live right, and all of those will continue to expand and build. It's like a secret sauce, and it's so freaking simple, right? It's just about living each moment. Because we all know, and we're in the moment, we know. If we, if we can hear, and again, some people's channels need to be cleaned out and supported and whatever. But we know, right? Or we can feel, or we have an intimation of what is the right thing, right? And so it's like making those choices in the moment results in that life that looks like that. So it's nothing more, nothing less. I mean, it's super simple. But I, I think the, the reason why the teaching is so important, because we all have challenge of acting on what we know, but it's just to have the knowledge. Once you have the knowledge, then it's just choice. But many of us are really floundering from lack of the knowledge, right? And how it all comes together. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, and after we have all those skills and concepts, how does that affect our life following? You know, our relationship in our lives. I'm sorry, how does it affect the what? How does, you know, this, the skills and concepts learned in your program affect our lives and our relationships? Well, you know, when you think about it, right action's purpose is to build confidence and joy, purpose, meaning, vitality, and relationships don't, that don't fit that model are going to fall away or change. So as women step into who they are and the powerful expression of who they are, other things won't be that interesting, right? Because they don't fit anymore. So, you know, it's hard to predict these things, but there's usually a truing across the board of one's life when one comes into alignment with their internal brilliance and the authority and power to live that. Things change. So I would imagine that that would be so. But the other, and I just want to say this piece, because I really feel this also strongly. People choose to live lives that are not as vital in some areas as in others. And that's okay too. Like we don't all have to choose what is seemingly the most vital version of ourselves. There's a lot of joy and there's a lot of value and benefit in that. But the beauty of people is that we each get to make our own choice. And that becomes the standard for yourself. And then you get to reevaluate that and decide, well, now I want to do it differently. But there's nothing wrong with people choosing less. Or I, I don't even want to say less, other, choosing other than what the memes are about what it should all look like. I love that, choosing other. In fact, that's the beauty of it. And that's the pain that we're all taught it's supposed to be this way or look this way or this is what success looks like. No, you get to determine that for yourself. And I believe that deeply. And I think the more we honor that, the, the, the sooner and with more ease and with more joy, women will find their way to their happiest self. Yeah. Nice. On your website, evapap.com, you talk about the shift. 
Could you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, it's just also very simply that once you start living through right action, things change. And that they just change organically. It's not like, you know, you've got to do the work, but the work is around action. All these shifts just happen. In fact, you know, um, you know, with my clients, like I might be working on boundaries with somebody and, and they would come in one day and they say, you know what, we're working on this thing in my relationship, but oh my God, this whole other thing is changing in my work life, totally unrelated to what the focus was. But because the skills were learned in this context, once you understand the foundational skills, they apply across the board. So it's not unusual for people who even have a particular agenda in mind to then start realizing gains in other areas because all of these things are so intimately connected, right? And it's a different way of thinking and being, right? It's a shift. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, then you show up differently in these other domains, and that has a huge impact on one's life. Wonderful. And what could somebody who takes your class expect? In terms of course. Um, the process, what they should expect to gain from it, um, what well, they can walk away with. Um, well, th there's, it's 12 weeks. Every week there's a new lesson. Um, the lessons, uh, are, they build on each other. Um, I'm, because it's online learning, I do a lot of sort of circularity so that, uh, lessons are learned and relearned a different context to, so it's like you not learn this, then you never think about it again. Everything is built on. So in chapter 12, you're leaning on stuff you learned in chapter one. So by the time 12 weeks go by, you're going to be really good <laughs> at chapter one skills. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways that I've paid attention to building out this experience so that um, one can experience transformation and growth if one commits to doing the work of it and there's work involved. Um, but you know, I have, so there's weekly, like every week you get maybe 10 pages worth of material, six to 10, mostly 10, sometimes 14. I try to really vary it. Um, and then I'm going to be a terrible reading voice. I'm working on that. I'm going to just read it. So people download it and listen to it. So, because it's great to hear things, multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, then there's weekly homework. So uh, the way one engages with the homework really depends on where one is. Um, and so the first two weeks, because I, I want to do it, I want people to have a real taste of it. So the first two weeks, if you decide in the first two weeks it's not for you, I give people full refund. And, you know, the gift of all the things that they'll learn in those two weeks, which is a lot. And then uh, at third week, the group splits. So then I ask people to choose a cohort. Uh, and then we have, starting in the third week, we have weekly. And I'm actually thinking, because, you know, it's in development now. I'm thinking the first two weeks, I'm going to do like three nights a week. People could phone in and we could chat, you know, get people grounded and start in the right direction to get a real good experience of me. Because this is hands-on. It's like, I'm in there. I'm down with the experience with everybody. And I want to convey that. And then by the third week, you know, anybody who's like, okay, maybe next time, another time, whatever. We split into two cohorts. And then I have calls each week with each cohort. 
challenge is really different. You know, I'm looking for my uh, students who have exposure to the material to take it higher, to express it in different ways, and also then to drop down and do, you know, if they come across a piece that's new for them, you know, to drop into the other class maybe that week and, and learn that material and have a chance to work with people who are at that same level as them in terms of understanding material. It's all fluid. You can take all of it, some of it. So anyway, and so then I start building in these little motivator things after that to keep people going, to get more exposure. So I'm on the forum every day. People, it's a, you know, it's a learning platform. So people have any questions, you know, I'm there every day answering questions, engaging. Um, and then that once we call, it's really, I call it study hall. And so, you know, people will be split into groups and then we'll work in small groups together at their level, working on the homework. So that I want to make sure that as people move from class to class, they've really integrated the material and they're living it. Um, and so that just goes on for 12 weeks. Um, and I'm playing around with doing a little secret Facebook group at the end. So, cause I, I just feel like people are going to get out and be like, okay, let's keep going. But I don't know. We'll see. Mm -hmm. So it's good. This will be my first cohort in January. You know, your first ones are the ones that you love the most because you're all new in it together. It's, it's sweet. Um, and I'm going to learn a lot about what people need. I mean, I've just put in so much stuff, but it might be that people don't need that much of that and they want more of this, but we'll see. So, and the way I'm also doing it is that uh, for two years, people could take the second, take the course again at 90% off. I don't do, you know, one of those lifetime free things. I think it just encourages people not to commit and do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if people like halfway through need to drop out, they can take the class again in the next two years, you know, at 90% mm -hmm. off. So there's a, you know, everything I'm doing, I'm designing to keep people in the class and supporting each other and moving forward. Because, um, you know, online teaching, there's challenges to that process. Yeah. Although I think it's amazing because anyone in the world or, you know, far-flung places can have access to information. So it's, it's not regional or local. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice now. Did I answer your uh, question yeah, on that? Sure. Yeah. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, your handle is Eva Pap X. So mm -hmm. explain to everybody, it was fun when we were talking last week, what the X stood for. Um, for me, X is the unknown qu quantity and just this ongoing acknowledgement that we know some things, but everything else is unknown. So much is unknown. And that, for some, can feel scary, but it is actually the vehicle of tremendous power and, and excitement and possibility. And so uh, attaching it there uh, keeps me mindful of that I'm also a steward. I don't know anything beyond what I know, or what I think I know. And I'm willing to teach that and share that so that women can take it higher and farther and blow it out of the water. So it's about sitting in front of uncertainty and the unknown and having a good relationship with it. Nice. And what's the one thing you would like to leave our listeners with this morning? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I want to thank everybody. If you're at this point for having listened through, I mean, I, 
can it can be difficult to just orally take in a lot of information. So thank you for bearing with me to this point. And I just, whoever you are and wherever you are in your life, just as you are right now is just brilliant and that you have the seed of your power right there. And even though you may not be able to touch in on it right now, it is there. You have been given an inheritance of wisdom and power and joy and brilliance and however you choose and whenever you choose to make contact with it, it's there for you. So you, you have riches at your disposal and just a reminder of that. Nice. And how yeah. can people reach you, Eva? Oh, uh, my website. There's a contact page on my website. Um, and, you know, I would love it if people followed me on uh, Facebook and Twitter or Instagram. And again, it's Eva Pap X uh, because I'm really trying to learn those platforms. So I'm there a lot. <laughs> that might be the easiest way to find me. Um, but, you know, I typically respond to any contact on my website within 24 hours. So that's also always solid. Great. Wonderful. Thanks for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. A lot Thanks, of great information. Yes. And I hope people really reach out and join your course. It's going to be wonderful, wonderful yeah. experience. Thank you. Great. And thanks for joining me, everybody, today on Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. Thank you and have a great day. And remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.